the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you seeking to make a difference? Because if not, just remember, any time that you take your eyes off of God and turn your attention solely in the direction of your personal desires, you'll find yourself in an unhealthy place filled with disappointment. But here's the good news. God still loves people more than anything, and you're one of those people. Aren't you grateful for that? Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Have you ever been disappointed with God? Have you ever found yourself at a place where you're just constantly questioning? That's usually what's taking place when we're in one of those seasons of disappointment. We're questioning those things around us. We may be questioning our circumstances. Why am I here? We may be questioning God's conduct. God, why did you do this? Why did you allow this to happen? We may even be questioning God's character. God, if that's the way you are, if if that's what you do, those seasons of disappointment, it's okay to question. God's not intimidated by our questions. But that unresolved questioning can lead us into a bad place, and it can even be sinful. When you linger in that land of doubt, you find yourself filled with fear and discouragement. And that's where we find Jonah at the conclusion of this story. A part of the story that many people never make it to in this well of a tale. They hear about Jonah being swallowed by the great fish, or they hear about the revival in Nineveh. But often, this intriguing last chapter of the book, Jonah chapter 4, is left off. And yet, in this passage, it all begins to come together as we see God's message to us in this day. Let me remind you what happened. We started with a command from God. He reached out to Jonah. He said, you've got to get up. You've got to get after it. You've got to get going. And we're reminded that the same God, the God of Jonah, calls out to us. In fact, he's not stuttered. He's given us a command to go. Those were the last words of Jesus. As you go, make disciples in his name for his glory. But Jonah didn't go. He got scared and then he got swallowed by the fish in the belly of the well. He then got right and he saw revival. And that's where we end in chapter 3. And if Jonah would have ended in chapter 3, man, we would have said, that's a happy ending. It would be like the movies that I like. I don't like movies that end in conflict. I, I don't go to the movie to feel worse about life. I like things to be neatly tied up and put in a bow. I want the guy to get the girl that he wants. I want the robber, the criminal to be charged with the crime. But Jonah doesn't end that way. 
If it had, Jonah would have won the Nobel Peace Prize. The city would be saved and God would be praised. But that's not the end of the story. Jonah doesn't have a happy ending. Someone said, if you really want to know a person, then find out what makes them laugh. What makes them cry? What makes them angry? If you really want to know a person, find out what makes them glad, what makes them sad, and what makes them mad. And that's what we see when we look at Jonah in chapter 4. So in chapter 1, he's the prodigal prophet. He's running from God. In chapter 2, he's the praying prophet. From the belly of the well, he's crying out to God for salvation. God saves him. In chapter 3, he's the preaching prophet. And so he preaches this message. We've talked about it for the last two weeks, this message of, of doom and destruction. Hey, you need to repent. You need to return to God or turn to God if you're going to experience hope. But in chapter 4, we see the pouting prophet. And as a pastor for around 25 years, there have been many who've lived in the stead of Jonah. There are many pouting Christ followers. Those who don't get their way and they find themselves disappointed in life. And when they really wrestle through it, they find themselves disappointed with God. I want you to see this chapter. Jonah chapter 4 beginning in verse 1. This is the word of God. But, anytime you see a conjunction, it's reminding us, it's joining us to another principle, another teaching. So the but is reminding us, Nineveh had just experienced revival. Don't forget how amazing this was. The Bible says every person in this great city turned to God. Wouldn't it be amazing if that happened in our city? Wouldn't it be amazing if that happened in our state? Wouldn't it be amazing if that happened in our nation, in this world? But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was angry, and he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it's better for me to die than to live. Jonah's thought process was simple. God, you did exactly what I thought you would do. God, you are who I knew you would be. But God, I feel just like I thought I'd feel. I'm not happy. I'm upset. I'm angry. In fact, I like to think that Jonah was pangry. You know, some of you about 1145, you get hangry. You know what that is? hungry and angry. But Jonah was pangry. He was pouting and angry. I want you to think for a moment about anger. What causes anger? Well, there's a lot of causes for anger. In fact, the Bible teaches there is such a thing as righteous anger. Anger is one of those emotions that God has given us. We are emotional beings created in his image in the Imago Dei. But what makes us angry when it's that wrong anger? Well, one of the things I've discovered is bitterness 
unforgiveness in our life makes people angry 100% of the time. When you don't let go of, of that offense, that way that you've been hurt, and you become bitter. In fact, you've heard me say it hundreds of times. Bitterness is that poison that we drink while we wait and watch for that other person to die. Unforgiveness and bitterness, that causes anger. You know another thing that causes anger? When I am a controlling person and I lose control. And and you don't have to be that strong type A individual to be a controlling person. Sometimes it's the people who have been hurt, who have been victimized, who have experienced pain or abuse. And all of a sudden now they want to try to control the events in their life or in their children's life or in their grandchildren's life. And then when something happens and you realize I don't have control, you get angry. You know what else causes anger? Pride. Really, this is at the root of all of our mess ups, isn't it? That we think our way is the best. And so when we don't get our way, we get angry. And in verse 4, the Lord said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry? I love this. God asked Jonah a question. In In the Hebrew, it's just three words. So it could have been, how's it working? It could have been, for real though? It could have been, is it right? Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? Is it helpful? Is it, is it working for you? Is it changing things? Is it making a difference? And, and some of you have come here and, and, and you're overcome with discouragement or perhaps even depression and, and disappointment in your life. And the people around you see you as angry. You've got a, a short fuse. You, you have sharp answers. You're, you're not controlling that stress and the, all those outer things in your life. And, and I believe that God would say, say to you, is it right? Is it, is it well? Is this making you more healthy mentally or physically or spiritually? Let me answer God's question. We do not do well to be angry. It is not right. It is not helpful. Verse 5. Jonah went out of the city and he sat to the east of the city and he made a booth for himself there. (laughs) Just got to stop. Because do you understand what's starting to happen? What do we call this party that he is throwing? It's a pity party. I remember when I was a little boy, I have the best mom. And my mom, when I would start to pout about some nonsense... She, she would look at me and she, I remember when she taught me this song. She said, why don't you just sing this? And she taught me to sing, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll go to the garden and eat some worms. Great big shiny worms. Incy vincy tiny worms. Ooh, how they tickle when they squirm. And, and I, I think of that song and I, I thought how silly it was to get upset and, and to pout and to throw a pity party. And that's what Jonah's doing. He makes a booth for himself. He, he, he prepares a pity party and he sat under it in the shade till he could see what would become of the city. In other words, maybe God will change his mind. Maybe God will throw down a ball of fire from heaven and kill all the Ninevites after all. 
Now the Lord God appointed a plant. You remember that phrase elsewhere in Jonah? You remember when it says God appointed a fish? Can I remind you of something today? You need to hear this. Write it down. Grab that pen, pencil, lipstick, crayola, mascara. Our God is an on-time God. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. You can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows your addresses. He knows your needs. And he will appoint what is necessary to see you through this season. He always shows up and he's always willing to make whatever appointments are necessary to accomplish his will in our lives. And he made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. And so again, you're beginning to see the signs of a person that is emotionally and spiritually unhealthy. His circumstances, those outer things around him have made him mad and now they've made him glad just in an instant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed, now this is interesting, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind. And the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die. And he said, it is better for me to die than to live. Oh, man, we love it when God becomes our burger king. You know? When he does it our way, when he gives us what we want. But when the hand of God moves in our life and it brings pain or difficulty, well, that's more challenging to bear. And so we see Jonah say something, not for the first time in this account. We see him say, I would rather die than stay here and submit myself to the will of God. I want you to understand that when you've become so hardened to the word and the ways and the will of God that you would rather give up everything than encounter him, you have found yourself in a very dangerous place. First time Jonah asked to be thrown overboard. I want you to know that when we find ourselves at odds with the will of God, we lose our proper motivation for living. And so maybe you're here today, and again, that disappointment, the discouragement, the depression of life has come so around you 
that you feel like giving up, can I suggest, it it could be possible, this is mental illness week, it could be possible that you're battling some kind of mental illness and and you need medical help or, or you need psychological help, we commend that in this place of worship. But first, before you go down that path, if you find yourself at that place of deep discouragement and disappointment and depression, would you at least examine and see if you are at odds with the will of God? Because if you are at odds with the will of God, you will lose that desire to live in a way that pleases him. And so the story continues, verse 9. But God said to Jonah, (laughs) do you do well to be angry for the plant? (laughs) So here it is again. Just imagine, imagine Jonah sitting in his pity party booth with the plant. He was so happy. And now he's so sad. And we don't know how this interaction takes place. But God speaks to him. (laughs) And God says, really? Seriously? Jonah, this is how you're going to respond? Is this helping How often does God look at our responses to the circumstances of our life, the conduct of his hand at work, or even our understanding of his character and say, you guys don't get it. And Jonah says, yes, I do well to be angry. Angry enough to die. He's at the bottom. And the Lord said, you pity. That word in the Hebrew is literally a word that means to cry over. And it's important because it it helps you understand the deep emotion. This is not just a feeling that is external. He, he's saying, you have been, like Jesus often said, you have been moved with passion. Someone did a study on the emotions of Jesus, and they said the most common descriptor of the emotions of Jesus is that he was moved with passion. It's that guttural sense, and that's what's described here. You, you pity, you cry over the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow. It came into being in a night, and it perished in a night. Should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? The end. One of two books in the Bible that ends with the question, Nahum does this as well. We see Jonah sitting at his pity party and we hear God saying to him, really? You're, you're boohooing over this plant that you didn't make, you didn't destroy. Should I not cry over the souls of men and women, boys and girls? What are you crying over today? Father, in the name of Jesus, we have read your word. It is perfect and true. We simply ask you to speak. 
Help us write the end of this story in our lives with answers that reconcile us with you and lead us to reach our world for your glory. God, I pray that the words I say in my thought would please you in these next few moments. And God, challenge us and change us. May we not leave here with a question about how we will respond to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. What a mess. What a mess. I'm not talking about Jonah. I'm talking about me. I mean, how can I look at all that God has done, the wells that he has delivered me from, the way that he has shown me grace and mercy and forgiveness and compassion, how can I encounter that and experience that and and not let it give me a passion for souls that drives my every moment? In light of God's amazing grace, how do I keep messing things up? And the answer is simple. I I turn inward. I take my eyes off of him. How could any church, a a place where believers gather to study the perfect word of God, a a place that worships the one true living one who, who gave us his all so that we might experience grace and forgiveness, how could churches close their doors for business? And not continue to reach their communities with the life-changing message. The answer is simple. We turn inward. And any time, as you'll see, that we take our eyes off of God and turn our attention solely in the direction of our personal desires, we find ourselves in an unhealthy place filled with disappointment. So if you're today filled with disappointment, at least examine, have you taken your eyes off of the one that calls you to surrender all? Have you taken your eyes off of the one who says he can change everything for you? Because anytime you do that and turn your attention solely on your desires and in your direction, you find yourself in an unhealthy place. God wants our attention to be in two places first, him and them. We see that in the great command. Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing? And he said, love God passionately. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then secondly, he said, love others intentionally. Love your neighbor even as you love yourself. It's what I learned as a child. Our our focus should be if we want to have joy, Jesus, then others, then me. If I want to experience that fulfillment in life, I can't begin with a focus on me. I have to begin with the focus on Jesus, then others, and then I turn. Are you filled with joy today? Are you filled with disappointment? Jonah was filled with disappointment. He was a pouting prophet. He's in an unhealthy place. Why is he pouting? He didn't get his way. He was waiting for a lightning bolt. And it didn't happen. Don't raise your hand. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been so hurt, so upset that you're thinking, God, in the name of Jesus, I know you did it for Sodom and Gomorrah. Would you just take them out right now? Just a moment of vulnerability. I don't think I've ever really verbalized it like that. But my thoughts have turned that way. God, when are they going to get what they deserve? God, you're going to let them treat people you're gonna let someone treat me 
that way? When are they going to get justice? And so we hear stories about that, even as pastors. I've heard stories uh, about folks who, who rose up and caused division in church and, and, and suddenly, unexpectedly, lost their life. And, and you kind of begin to think, God, do it again, Lord. And then we realize what good that does us. Let me ask you a question. What good does pouting do? What do you think? You can answer that. What good does pouting do? None. That's the right answer. Let me tell you what pouting does. Number one, it robs us of God's intended peace of mind. So if you're discouraged, if you're disappointed, if you're depressed, you're missing out on what God intended for you to have, which is peace of mind. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.